chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, the correct rendering of the word if is since. Since we are risen with Christ, we ought to seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Seek is an interesting word. It actually means having an urgency, a desire, and an ambition. There must be an intense drive for the things of God. Then he says, set your affection on things above. The word affection means your mind. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above and keep it there. Now, what are the things we ought to keep our minds on? Well, let's see. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, why should we keep our minds steadfast on him? Because we are dead. And our life is hid with Christ in God. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, in other words, we have been taken out of Adam by the baptism of the Holy Spirit and placed in Christ. We are now in Christ. And now that we are in him, it is our responsibility to live out his life and let his fullness be lived out through us. And then Paul gives the final stage of salvation. He says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now let's look at the phrase, when Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life. The old man has been crucified with Christ and in its place is Christ. He is our life. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 reads, For to me, to live is Christ. Listen, Jesus is our everything. When he shall appear, we shall be just like him, and we shall appear with him. Oh, hallelujah. All right, let's look at uh, verses 5 through 11. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil compiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, centenian, or centenian, uh, born nor free, but Christ is all and in all. 
We are in Christ, but we live in fleshly bodies with its own set of desires. Now, Paul gives the list of the desires of the flesh. Number one, fornication, which is sexual relationship outside of a marriage. Number two, uncleanness, which includes thoughts, words, looks, gestures. Number three, inordinate affection, which means uncontrolled passion or lust. Number four, evil conspicuous, which means evil desires. Number five, covetousness, which is idolatry. Number six, anger. Number seven, wrath, which is anger that becomes wrath when we develop an unforgiven spirit. Malice is an, an anger that has been nursed along. It is an anger that attempts to take revenge and to get even. Number nine is blasphemer. Number 10 is filthy communication out of your mouth. Foul communication. That which is both abusive and filthy. And number 11 is lying. Now we are not to allow any of these desires of the flesh to operate in our lives. Now that we have put on the new man. Now that we are in Christ. Our actions must always match our profession. And then we see that God is not a respecter of persons when it comes to placing members in his body, the church. The church consists of Greeks and the uncircumcised ones, according to the flesh, and Jews, those who were circumcised according to the flesh. Some barbarians were saved. Barbarians were those who were not Greeks, those who we would call heathens today. Some Centenians were also saved. The Centenians were the worst kind of barbarian. Uh, Centenia was north of the Black Sea and Caspian Sea. The people who lived there were probably the most barbaric the world has known. They defined the word heathen in every sense. They were brutal and ruthless. They would take their enemies and scalp them. Then they would use the skull as a cup and drink the blood of their victims out of the skull. The good news is that the gospel of Jesus Christ had gone out to them and some of them were saved. Listen, God is not a respecter of persons. The church also consisted of slaves who had gotten saved. The church consists of people from all walks of life. Then Paul says, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus Christ is the catalyst. He is the catalyst who brings together individuals and groups who are separate and makes them one in him. Now, now what do you mean by a catalyst? What, what is a catalyst? A catalyst is a substance that is placed with elements that are opposed to each other and brings them together into a new compound. That is exactly what Jesus does. We have all been made one in him. Oh, hallelujah. All right, let's look at verses 12 through 15. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one, one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now, Paul calls the believers the elect of God. We have been handpicked by God. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. We are holy because the Holy One lives on the inside of us. We are beloved of God because we are in the beloved. Jesus Christ. We have been made one with him. Now that we are the elect of God, holy and beloved, we have responsibilities. 
What are those responsibilities? Number one, we have to put on bowels of mercies. In other words, we must have a heart full of compassion. Number two, kindness. Kindness is a word that Paul uses that carries with it the thought of being profitable. It means to be helpful to others. It means gentleness. All right, number three, ominous of mind. Number four, meekness. Meekness is a righteous indignation against unrighteous acts. Number five, long-suffering. Long-suffering means long-burning. Number six, forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. Number seven, listen, we must forgive one another like Jesus Christ forgives us, regardless of the wrong done to us. Number eight, on top of all these responsibilities, we must walk in the love of God because it is the bond of perfectness. And number nine, we must allow the peace of God to govern our hearts. And number 10, we must always be thankful. Instead of complaining, give the Lord thanks. Instead of complaining, give the Lord thanks. We can never thank him enough for what he has already done, let alone for what he has in store for us. Hallelujah. All right, let's look at verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, the word dwell means to be at home. Our lives are to be completely governed by the word of God. And in order for this to happen, we have to keep the word of God ever before us. Now, how do we accomplish this? We do it through personal intense studies of the word of God and through the teaching and admonishing of one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that are sung with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And then he gives a great principle for Christian living. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Listen, everything we say or do should be backed by heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at verses 18 through 21. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, these are principles for building successful families. Paul establishes here that the Christian marriage is an equal partnership. He starts off by saying, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. As it is fit in the Lord. As it is fit in the Lord is the key phrase. A wife's submission to her husband is conditional. There is something that must take place by the husband to his wife in order for her submission to him to be set in motion. What must the husband do in order to reap submission from his wife? He must love his wife as Christ loves the church. He must never be bitter toward her. In other words, he is to always handle her with tender loving care. He is to view her as his equal. He must view her as Christ views us, the church. Ah, the church is subject to Christ because of how he loves and treats us. 
Then he instructs children to, to be obedient to their parents in everything. Why? For this is well pleasing to the Lord. He then instructs the fathers to be loving fathers. Fathers ought to treat their children like our Heavenly Father treats us. As fathers, we are not to abuse and to ridicule our children, lest we destroy the child and parental relationship. Everything we do in word or deed must be done in the name of of the Lord Jesus. All right. Let's look at verses 22 through 25. Servants obey in all things. Your master according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he had done, and there is no respect of persons. Paul is simply instructing the Christian slaves at Colossae to work for their masters as if they were working for the Lord, and know that if they do this, God will reward them for the service rendered. If they do otherwise, they will be rewarded according to that service rendered. God is no respecter of persons. 